Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast brought to you by Crossover Media. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It is going very well. Happy to be here this week. We have another great episode coming at you, and I can't wait to dive into it. This is going to be a fun one, but before we get into it, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to us on YouTube, the Third Party Podcast. We stream weekly. 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time on Thursdays. We got some big promises out there when we hit the 1,000 sub mark, so make sure to hit us with a subscription if you can. It would mean a lot. We appreciate it a ton. But like Henry was saying, we got a good one, though, today. We're going to be covering some news, as always, and putting another entry into the Mastering the Legend series, a by the numbers for the Sentinel, a legend concept, and wrapping up with some questions. But before we do any of that, let's dive into some reviews. First review of the day is a five-star from The Spark on YT. Clout Gang, dang, you guys got Designful, Resulta, and Gentrifying. Y'all got some clout. Also, I started Apex in Season 4, and I recently got 4,500 kills with Pathfinder and 100 wins with him as well. You guys are awesome. Thank you, The Spark. We're very lucky that we've been able to have some awesome guests on the show from creators like Kobe and Simply Ashton to now some of these competitive guys and hopefully we'll be able to bring you even more guests in the future if that is something you all enjoy. Next review coming from Glock. Hey guys, I found you a couple weeks ago after my favorite Halo podcast took a break. I love the pod. It's very informative and is allowing me to get a better grasp on Apex than I already had. Just wanted to ask if you know when you might do a Mastering the Legend for Pathy. I've maned him for a while now, but I just don't feel like I'm getting the most out of it. Thanks. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much for the review, Glock. The Master in the Legends segment is a very popular thing, and we're always getting pulled in every single direction to do different legends. Pathfinder is certainly on the list. Um, Shay uh, has had a lot of hours on Path, so we're probably qualified, but things are getting shooken up mm-hmm. all the time, so it's definitely going to happen. I can say, though, that recently with playing Pathfinder, there's almost a secret buff that yeah. if you're a main, you probably know, but if you're not, it wasn't explained to me, wasn't in the dev stream, wasn't, wasn't in the patch like, notes, yeah. wasn't anywhere. Mm-hmm. But now, every single time you scan a beacon, yes, you get the 10-second cooldown on your ultimate mm-hmm. zipline, but you also charge the zipline every time. So that's kind of interesting, almost like a Watson passive with the ultimate accelerants, mm-hmm. but with the survey beacon. So kind of a secret path. That's all we're going to go into, um, but hopefully that'll tide you over before we do a Mastering the Legends. Yeah, we would love to do a Mastering the Legends on path, but kind of like he was saying, and we'll dive into it here in a second, but we like to really be playing these legends a lot in our personal lives, I guess, for Apex to really speak to these people. and so. We'll definitely, we'll get to path. Like Henry said, I got a lot of hours on path, but I got to re, re-up those hours with the recent changes. And the final review for the day coming from Litten Rocks. Love the podcast. You helped me so much through my life. You guys are my role models and are so amazing. What do you think about adding in new mobility to Apex? New mobility is a very 
general statement. I like it though. I think um, in the Discord we were chatting with someone about potentially having like a legend with a dash ability, which could be kind of cool. Um, those are the kinds of abilities I actually normally use in games that have them. So that could be fun. You know, we've had the leaks about the hover bikes and stuff and vehicles potentially coming in some way, shape or form. Mobility is interesting because it very much changes the game entirely. I don't know. I think we've spoken on vehicles on length. And so that's one thing. But what about that? What about more legends with some mobility? You know, I'm all for it. We now know that based off of some leaks that the next couple of years are not going to be defensive legends, mm-hmm. at least how the plan is right now. So I think mobility is something to potentially expect right now with the leaks uh, and some of that is really fun. This is the most mobile BR out there yep. and, you know, continuing on that path with different options uh, is something I'm all for. With that, though, let's dive into the news. First piece of news, the Fight or Fright is officially going live on Friday. Um, you know, we dove super deep into everything about the mode and everything that's still not even released about the mode on our last episode. So if you're super interested, skip to the news segment of the last episode and you'll hear our thoughts on everything there. But next week after playing over the course of the weekend, we will obviously give you guys a big update on everything. And then that next week, we'll probably stream that mode. So if you really want to get our opinions, next week's episode and then the stream next week will be two good spots to hear our deep thoughts on Fight or Fright. Anything else, though? We're excited. I think it's going to be really fun. I hope everything works well. Mm -hmm. And it's hopefully going to be a fresh uh, LTM. Yep. Next piece of news, we had some more Apex teasers go live. We had an incoming transmission. You know how the Apex likes to do it. You can't really understand anything. And so then you have to wait until the subtitles come out. Uh, And the subtitles say the voice, uh, whatever the voice was, whoever it was, says Branthium, which connects to Ash's voice lines from the season five quest where she says all roads, all roads lead to Branthium. Ah, Rhodes and Branthium and Olympus and all the fun stuff. What are your thoughts? You know, it sounds like some sort of city to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to find out more about these trailers and the exact direction that they're pointing. We all are thinking it. Uh, We've had our heart broken, though, so we're not trying to get our hopes up now. My walls are up. Yep. My walls are up. Uh, Next piece of news, uh, short goal leaked that Horizon stat trackers are being stored in the game now. And one, kind of notable to be able to say, like, obviously, more stuff added to Horizon, you know, leading into the thought that she will be coming to the game soon. But more specifically, the code lines read, black hole damage done, hard landings avoided, and teammates gravity lifted. And I want to focus on the first one, black hole damage done, because based off what we talked about in the last episode with the black hole having this like stun suction effect, potentially, we're going to be coupling potentially a mobility stopper and a damage doer into one ability. That could be a really, really dang good ability, potentially. Yeah, to combine the best of both worlds mm-hmm. of the defensive damage output and the mobility could be really, really cool. You know, just the wording of black hole. I have no, like, I'm not 
a scientist. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. I don't know quantum physics. I like, feel like if a I, black hole showed up on King's Canyon or World's Edge, it would be bad, you know? We'll see what it is. I'm very excited, uh, but I really don't have a very clear picture in my head uh, about what Horizon's going to be yet, mm-hmm. but it seems cool, and I am excited. That's all I have to say. Definitely. And the hard landings avoided, I think it'll be cool. I just want to know if, obviously, if the leaked abilities are what they are, and it's like verbatim exactly what it is, and the ability is that you don't get any effects off of landing and stuff, I'm so excited to see if it's actually noticeable. Like, that'll be so interesting. And so I guess the tracker is kind of one way to potentially think about it. Totally. Next piece of news, we have some kind of, you know, some fixes, some housekeeping that Apex did. Slash, you know, secret updates that they don't like to tell anybody about. So first of which, we have the Sentinel being back. It's fixed in the game again. And in honor of that, we will be talking about the Sentinel in depth later on today in our By the Numbers episode. We also have the Blast Walls on World's Edge. They now show up on the mini-maps as up or down. Which, I like, maybe I'm crazy and racking my head, but I thought that was supposed to be a thing from the beginning, like when they introduced it in the trailers and the dev streams and such, and so it's kind of interesting that it is only now active. It seems like a long time coming, and yes, I think we expected it, mm-hmm. and we, nobody told us, but now <laughs> you know. Um, but this is big. Like, now you have a pretty certain indicator on the map if a place has been looted Mm -hmm. or if there are or have been people there in the past that's pretty unprecedented and pretty cool you know you have you can tell if the map room has been hacked uh while it's being hacked but the fact that now you know if the walls are up gives you a really strong indication of how you can rotate where Mm -hmm. to find teams uh where to find loot I think it's a it's a pretty big change and I think changes a lot of the information you have going into playing on World's Edge. Yeah, and we'll get into it later, but information is important. Hint, hint. Last piece of news, big congrats to some orgless teams winning the Apex Legends Global Series event yesterday. In North America, we had Did We Make It taking the top spot, and in Europe, we had Orgless and Hungary. Obviously, worth a watch if you haven't. Professional Apex can be really fun. A little bit of technical difficulties this time around, but still an enjoyable experience, right? That's for sure. It's definitely a high production value Apex experience. I enjoy watching it from time to time. Um, it's cool, and the drama is real. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a BR. It's a pretty exciting thing to watch. Shay and I are always talking about how. This is the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. but with guns and in the best BR in the world. So it's pretty cool. I definitely think you should check it out. And these victories are pretty exciting to watch. Definitely. With that, though, we are going to dive into Mastering the Legends, the beloved segment. Um, you're talking first, so I'll give a little bit of the introduction and then let you add in. Get your water while you can. But essentially, if you're new to the show, Uh, This is an episode Henry and I absolutely love to do. Uh, We take two legends, normally with some kind of relationship to one another, uh, you know, whether it be the defensive legends or like high mobility people or whatever, and we dive super in depth. Uh, You know, we play hundreds of games with these guys, and just so we can really speak to 
our opinions on how to best play these legends and master them. You know, you can find a lot of information out there and, you know, you can YouTube best ways to play certain people and stuff. And there's some really good videos out there. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of these people don't main all these guys. And so we do this segment very occasionally because we definitely want to make sure that we are giving the absolute best information we can and logging as many hours as possible. Anything else? I think that's true. And just, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to the other segments if you haven't, mm-hmm. because they're pretty cool. Some of the stuff, you know, changes as updates happen, definitely. but the foundations are still all there. And something that is interesting that may speak to us and how we play, but also might just be speaking to how we approach the segment. We've done all the defensive legends Mm -hmm. and all the support legends. Nobody else. Mm -hmm. And today we're really mixing it up, having a assault and a recon legend. Mm -hmm. So this is quite a difference for us, uh, but it should go just as good as always. Definitely. We got Bangalore and Bloodhound today for you guys. Henry's going to be taking the lead on Bangalore. I'll be taking the lead on Bloodhound. Let's get it rolling. Bangalore time. Teach me how to be a master, Henry. Screw everybody else listening. I need to know right now. I'm not an experienced Bangalore player, so please, please, I hope you have a PowerPoint prepared. Well, don't worry. I do have some visuals for you. Awesome. But first thing, I need to establish my credibility, I guess. <laughs> I did the um, same thing. <laughs> Bangalore is my third most played legend in my Apex career. Um, and the reason for that is I feel that she is a very versatile legend in a game that demands adaptability. This is something that I truly believe. It's something that I harp on again and again when we talk about either ranking the legends or team composition or anything. You want to be able to adapt to different situations, and I think Bangalore fits that very well. Now, that being said, there has been a lot of pent-up excitement about a potential buff or a rework for Bangalore for a few seasons now, and this conversation has had the effect that Bang is not a very effective legend in her current state. So, on this Mastering the Legends, I hope to explain her abilities, showcase her strengths, and give you some tips and tricks to playing Bangalore like a beast. Now, more prefaces (laughs) before we get into the meat of it. But I also have to point out that I'm a Gibraltar main, like many of you know, and Bangalore is often compared directly to Gibby. And Gibby wins out due to his perceived stronger ultimate and overall kit. I do not choose Bangalore over Gibraltar for reasons that I prefer Gibraltar's playstyle, but I will still compare the two legends in order to highlight the fundamental differences and showcase the unique strengths that Bangalore has. I'm sold. I think you have a very credible place to come from. So there we go. And I'm going to dive right into kind of the crux of the conversation of Bangalore, and I'm going to start with the ultimate. So Rolling Thunder, it now has a 180 second cooldown down from a 270 second cooldown prior to season six. That's three minutes. Pretty short cooldown on the ultimate, which is a strengths. But essentially, how Rolling Thunder works is Bangalore throws a flare, which signals the drop of missiles away from it, 
not around it like Gibraltar's, Mm -hmm. but it actually creates a square away from where you threw the flare. And it's a 48 by 48 meter area. Pretty big, way bigger than Gibraltar's. Each missile lands and has eight second delay until detonating. Each missile falls and explodes in a successive manner, exploding away from where you threw the flare. I like it. So that is very specific and unique. It's a very complex ability, Mm -hmm. not as simple as maybe the Gibraltar ultimate is. But once the missiles explode, they deal 40 damage and concuss or slow the enemies, not allowing them to sprint for up to six seconds. Now, the stun does the stun does affect teammates, and it affects Bangalore, and it does do damage to Bangalore. So you can't begin too crazy, but that's pretty similar to Gibraltar. Now, to just attack it head on, how does this compare to Gibraltar's? First off, the speed of it. Gibraltar's ultimate comes down faster, and Bangalore's push enemies backwards. And so, it's kind of an interesting discussion when you're talking about speed, that if you need something to happen right then, Gibraltar's is a little bit faster. But if you're talking about duration and moving people, there is a school of thought that is Bangalore can do it more effectively and maybe control time with a greater impact than Gibraltar's. Mm -hmm. Now, the damage profile. Both ultimates deal 40 damage per projectile, so they're essentially the same there. I play more Gibraltar, and I feel that I do more damage with the Gibraltar ultimate. I think a lot of people feel this way. But... Bangalore's ultimate does the same damage profile, and it affects a larger area, so you can't just count it out and say it doesn't do damage, because they're the same. Then, I already touched on it before, but the area of effect. Gibraltar's uh, comes down around the flare, 24 meter radius or 1800 meter area. And Bangalore's is a 2,300 meter area. So significantly larger area of effect. Now, here's the truth about both the ultimates. (laughs) And this is interesting. And I talk to a lot of people about this um, and, you know, think about it a lot. Neither ultimates are meant to actually knock or kill enemies. And I think that's a misconception that a lot of new players might have, or maybe players that don't play these legends a whole ton. Like, if Watson's not in the picture, and a Gibraltar bombardment hits someone three times, Mm -hmm. that doesn't even fully destroy red shields. Like, you're not going to hit one person three times, ever. And that's not even going to break their shields late game. So, it's not supposed like neither is actually supposed to down an enemy but let's say that gibraltar's does rain down faster but it does rarely hit an enemy more than once so the real use of both the ultimates is for the tactical advantage getting somebody off a roof moving etc bangalore does this for longer 
but it takes more time to actually have effect. So there is, when you think about it that way, okay, you use this ultimate in order to move or threaten a team. Bangalore does it for a significantly longer period of time and a larger area. Like even if you see a flare go down, you know that, okay, that's a line in the sand. Mm -hmm. I need to move. Gibraltar's is the same, but Bangalore's lasts longer. So I think there's kind of an interesting thought behind that. But now you're saying, oh, but wait, can't Wraith just use her abilities to push through Bangalore's ultimate? Well, yes. Yes, she can. But she can do that with anybody's ultimate. Gibby's, Ramparts, Caustic. Wraith is kind of an exception. So that's kind of the only clear counter to any of these kind of bombardment style ultimates. But holistically, Bangalore's is not bad or necessarily the worst out of those four. And similar to what we were saying at the top of the show with Horizon, Bangalore is interesting. She is an assault legend that has some mobility and the ability to do damage with her ultimate. Mm -hmm. And that's a really nice combo. Now, now that we've kind of done the comparison, showed differences and the potential strengths, what exactly are the Rolling Thunder's strengths? First is buy some time. This artillery strike is much longer than the six second duration of Gibraltar's. It's more like 16 seconds from start to finish. This allows you to stop a sniper or a team on high ground from attacking, allows you to get a res off, rotate to flank an enemy, run away, etc. You can do a lot in 16 seconds in this game. Now, Bangalore has the damage-dealing ultimate similar to Gibraltar and Caustic, but it's not really used in final ring situations like its counterparts. Well, in competitive play where Watson dominates, those ultimates are less and less effective at getting a huge advantage late game. So to say that Bangalore's is not as effective in the late game as Caustic and Gibraltar's is almost a null argument because... Watson's mostly going to be there once you get to a competitive place and ranked. So I'm just tossing that out. So the time that the Rolling Thunder takes can be highly valued as a tactical method of controlling a wide area for a very long time or trapping an already injured team with a teammate down. Pretty I love interesting throwing them on the down people. Effect. That's a really, it's a really good strategy for sure. And it isn't necessarily to a limb that downed player, Mm -hmm. but to more just control the space and say, okay, if you do go for the res, you're going to take damage and you're going to be slowed and blind and you can't sprint for six seconds. So you're dead. So it's very interesting how most people think that, oh, that ultimate isn't very threatening, but... It's more scary than it sounds, I think. It's rolling thunder Mm -hmm. for a reason. It kind of has some fear. Now, the second strength uh, that the rolling thunder really has is its ability to close the gap. Now, this is exactly based on how the ultimate deploys away from the throw point and explodes away from the flare. This allows you to throw it across an open area between an enemy and push through the explosions 
which offer a threatening explosion, sound cover, and visual cover from those explosions. So, you know, the versatility, like I was saying at the mm-hmm. beginning, is very present with this ultimate because you can use it to pin somebody down, to distract or move, but also to close the gap and to counter snipers or a team that's in a favorable position. Now, in closing for this ultimate, use this ability often. You get it every three minutes now, and with games that last on average 20 minutes, that allows you to easily use this ultimate four or five times a game without using ultimate accelerants or charge towers. There are rarely five fights that you actually fully engage per game. So this ultimate offers a lot of flexibility. You can use it to run or engage, use it to threaten other teams, because at the end of the day, if people choose to sit and take the damage, they're truly stunned and are easily shot down. Yeah, the stun is horrible, even when it's your teammate. Like, when you're stunned, you are MIA. Like, and that's why we also don't want a stun grenade in this game, because, oh my goodness, getting stunned in this game, where everything happens so fast, is just horrible. Yeah, and the power of the stun is really, really good. Mm -hmm. But because it's such a unique ultimate that, you know, most people don't understand that it actually falls in a square past the point Mm -hmm. of the flare, and then the missiles come down successively and then explode successively after eight seconds. The pattern of that explosion, if you main Bangalore or even listen to this episode and, you know, decide to use her more, you can learn the route of the explosions Mm -hmm. and navigate it really well, even if she's your teammate, but definitely if you're playing as Bangalore. And that gives you a big advantage because she's not the most popular legend, and that means people don't understand her. And so if you do, you can really use this ultimate for major effect. Definitely. Now, moving right along to the tactical. Like we always say, or at least I try to harp on, the tactical really defines the legend. This is the thing that you're using the most Mm -hmm. and really is the staple of a legend. And for Bangalore, of course, that's the smoke launcher. Pop them smokes, make them broke. That's the motto. Mm -hmm. Every day. Uh, You got two charges of these, and each has a 33-second cooldown. Again, very versatile. The smoke can be thrown farther than grenades, because Bangalore smoke launcher. Each uh, smoke canister splits into three separate puffs of smoke in a perpendicular manner from the direction deployed. Really covers a huge area. It's actually kind of staggering how effective the smoke is at covering an area. Oh, trust me. I know how the smoke covers areas. Oh, my. It's crazy. And the fact that you have two really is kind of intense. Mm -hmm. You can really cover an entire hillside with smoke and transform an environment from being wide open to zero visibility. And you're going to do that for 23 seconds per canister because the smoke takes 23 seconds to evaporate. This is huge. And the reason this is huge is you try to compare it to other abilities in the game and Mm -hmm. in this universe. 
the revenant silence, which does not affect a very wide area at all, lasts for 10 seconds on the ground, and Gibraltar's dome shield lasts for 12 seconds. And, you know, I play a lot of Gibraltar. I use the dome uh, to run away sometimes, to use it as a wall, or kind of like a smoke shield or a smoke screen, except the dome it lasts for a third of the time as potentially two smoke scans. So huge difference in just the deployability and the duration of this tactical. So now, just taking it a step further, each canister can also deal 10 damage to enemies if they're hit by it. So we just got a lot of stuff uh, going on with this tactical. Mm -hmm. So that begs the question, what do you use it for? Great question. You use it for everything. <laughs> the first thing you use it for, I could have broken into a variety of things, but essentially you can use it to conceal yourself, conceal teammates, conceal down teammates, concealing healing, or resing. So very much using it as a traditional smokescreen. You can also use it to blind an enemy to rush or run from. So you can hit them with the smoke. Mm -hmm. Damage is fine, but also they just can't see, and then you can run at them or run from them. Because the smoke does damage, you can also use it to probe a building by shooting a canister through a window, and if you get a hit marker, you do your ton damage, you know people are there. Kind of a tricky strategy, but something you can certainly do, and should do, because you have two of them. Can also smoke a doorway to prevent someone from just coming through into the unknown. This is something that is not really done a whole ton because the smoke has such a huge effect. If you're using it indoors, uh, that can kind of be a risky situation because you're blinding everybody and everything. But if you're in a desperate situation, I can say I'm very hesitant to just rush blindly into smoke. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of use this as a defensive thing, even though it may not be meant for that, similar to the defensive octane jump pad. <laughs> can also use the smoke to hide from a crypto drone. Crypto's drone can't see through the smoke. Um, that doesn't mean that the crypto won't see you, but it can't actually uh, detect you or scan you with the drone. You can also smoke yourself or a teammate while you're thirsting an enemy or finishing an enemy. Very nice ability there. You can also use the smoke to distract or misdirect an enemy. Fire it over to the left, but you're actually going right. Pretty tricky. You can also smoke somewhere that you know enemies will be coming out of, like a portal or a death totem, so that when enemies come out of that, they don't see you and don't really have their bearings or sense of direction. And when they come out, you can spot them instantly and shoot them down. And then finally, you can use the smoke and throw grenades into it in order to force enemies out, deal damage, or force them to retreat. And so kind of coupling uh, the smoke launcher and grenades is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's also of note that you can do both simultaneously. You can throw a grenade at the same time that you can activate the smoke. Now, we coupled Bloodhound with Bangalore for a reason, <laughs> and I'm not going to get too much into it because that's Shay's role, but the coordination 
or counter to this tactical, the smoke, is the digital threats. And that's really the first real counter that was ever put into the game. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the developers say they don't believe in counters or things countering or legends countering legends, but (laughs) they've done it since day one, so we're just going to roll with it. Digital threats can be very destructive in smoke, but you can also use them to your advantage. If you are Bangalore, Mm -hmm. you should really be using that one times digital threat and embracing it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't like that site just because it doesn't look as nice as the one times HCOG, but you need to get over yourself and use it because it opens up so many more possibilities to take sight away from your enemies while you have them outlined in bright red. But there's another player that can also see through smoke in a variety of ways, and that's Bloodhound. Can be a really nice teammate and used in coordination, but can also be a very powerful counter. So Mm -hmm. you do have to watch out for that, and Shay will be telling you much more. But overall, this tactical is very impactful and easily approachable, in my opinion, for players because you can essentially use the smoke for a wide variety of situations. Fair warning, though, using the smoke offensively can irritate your teammates if they were dealing damage or about to hit a Kraber shot. So, even though it's an approachable ability, it's still very helpful to communicate, Mm -hmm. be on comms, don't frustrate people by blinding your own teammates or stopping them from getting a knock. So it's a great, it's a great tactical. It really is. And it has been for an absolutely long time. And I think you're going to get into it at the end. So I won't, I won't spoil, spoil now, like the overall thoughts on where she's at, but she's versatile, Mm -hmm. you know, and the smoke is the defining element of that versatility. Mm -hmm. Now, finally, Probably my favorite ability so good. out of uh, Bangalore is her passive double time. Double time activates upon being hit or when bullets or grenades barely miss you, giving you a 30% increase in run speed for two seconds. Now, compare this to Octane's Tactical. Octane's Tactical lasts for six seconds and gives you a 40% speed increase for sprinting or a 30% walk speed increase for the cost of 10 health and a 2-second cooldown. Bloodhound also has the ability to speed up with their ultimate, which gives them a 30% speed increase. Essentially, both of those speedsters boil down to being built in to Bangalore, except she gets it as a passive. Lucky duck. Now, two seconds isn't a super long time, but it is a significant amount to use it to dodge incoming fire or give you extra movement to strafe and outplay enemies in close quarters. It's not like you can win the 100-yard dash with it, Mm -hmm. but it is a significant speed increase and gives you an edge that is very palpable in-game for essentially no cost, which is very nice. Mm -hmm. You can do it all the time. So this is a very strong passive and acts exactly how I like passives to work, 
through the entire game mm-hmm. and combat and movement. But overall, Bangalore is perfect for engaging and disengaging enemies. She is a shock trooper that offers the versatility to support her team and have enhanced movement while also dealing a threatening ultimate airstrike. Coupling that with her hitbox and her abilities covering all bases from mobility to defense to support and even the ultimate having area control pressure makes her quite a good choice as an individual player but also as a team member. I can also say that I know multiple Apex Predators that are Bangalore mains, so she can't be too bad. Bangalore's awesome, and I think a lot of people have issues with the fact that she's just been solid for the longest time, and people want new. New is always better, as Barney Stinson would say, and I think people would like something mixed up in there, but really, she don't need it. She's great. And she's really useful and, like you were saying, incredibly versatile. We have to be careful about just wanting reworks and changes all the time when, really, Bangalore is very well balanced and a very fun legend to play. So if you haven't, I think you should give her a shot. Definitely. And, you know, we're going to take an ad break because before we get into talking about Bloodhound, Henry needs a little break. So here's a word from our sponsors. The Good Games Podcast is brought to you by Henry and Shay. Hopefully you like those two guys. From our success covering Apex Legends, we've sought out to create a new project talking about all the new good games. In all seriousness, if you want to hear Henry and I cover games from Rogue Company to Assassin's Creed, check out the link in the description to hear about all the new good games. Welcome back. Time for some Bloodhound. A little preface on Bloodhound. 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 I love him. You love him. Everyone's loving Bloodhound right now. And so I think now's a really good time to talk about Bloodhound um, because they're in a really good spot. And for me, Bloodhound is always going to have a super special place in my heart. The first legend I ever played in Apex, the first win I ever had in Apex was with Bloodhound. Uh, And so now I've been playing Bloodhound as really my first or second choice uh, for the last two seasons, really. And in Henry and I's ranked comp, I've been playing Bloodhound now for two seasons. So reached Diamond twice now with Bloodhound. So I feel like there's some solid credibility there. My highest kill games and highest damage games have come as Bloodhound now. And I've definitely put in a lot of time. We almost did Bloodhound on our last Mastering the Legends. That's how prepared we've been, and I haven't stopped playing Bloodhound since. Yeah, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks and months, we've definitely have been hyped about Bloodhound for a while. We're not, you know, late to the train um, by any means. Mm -hmm. We definitely like the Legend a lot. Yes. And so Bloodhound has now been on the receiving end of a lot of balancing changes that started in Season 4. And it seems like Respawn has really settled into a place where they want them to be right now. You know, they really worked on a lot of things, changed and tweaked so many things, like, very minorly, like, coming down to seconds. And so I think this is a good time to talk about Bloodhound, because I think Bloodhound is going to stay this way for a while. Bloodhound's kit combines knowledge and the ability to attack more so than any other legend in the game. 
And this is really part of the reason why Bloodhound has not only become an incredibly fun character to use, uh, but now is viable in ranked squads and has really cracked their way into the top tiers of even the global series and the professional levels of Apex, which you don't unfortunately get to say about a lot of legends. That's true. So today I want to break down Bloodhound's abilities. So, you know, the listeners that haven't played Bloodhound can be persuaded, hopefully, to give them a try. Or if you've played Bloodhound, hopefully I can offer you a couple tips to really take your play to the next level and hopefully convince some people that Bloodhound needs to be on your ranked roster because that's what we care about here at the third party. You know, we were telling Amasis that they can't deviate. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were talking about maybe putting Pathfinder back in rotation, but Bloodhound definitely has earned a spot in our eyes. Definitely. Let's start with the tactical. Eye of the Allfather. 25 second cooldown. You activate this ability. You scan a 125 degree cone in front of you with a maximum distance highlighted of 76 meters. The scan tells you how many hostiles are detected with a maximum of 10. And if you do scan more than 10, you get the all dangerous and scary 10 plus hostiles detected. When you scan enemies, they will see sonar detected on their HUD when scanned. Well, more on that later. The ability itself takes 1.8 seconds to activate. And then the players that are scanned are tracked for four seconds after the fact. The scan also highlights other items in the game like loot ticks, gas traps, launch pads, pylons, fences, and dock drones. And those, if scanned, become visible for you and your entire team until they disappear for whatever reason. The scan is the essence of Bloodhound. Incredibly awesome, incredibly important ability. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how to use the scan when to best use the scan, because I think people look at the scan as a super, super simple ability, and while it has its simple simple uses and a simple activation, I think there's a lot of nuances to it that definitely make the ability next level in a way. I think there certainly is, and it's important to take a trip down memory lane to Shay's first win, Mm -hmm. in that this tactical and the scan didn't use to track anything or anyone. It would give you one flash shot of where an enemy was, and now it's able to track them for four seconds in their movement behind cover with a huge radius over more than 75 meters away. Mm -hmm. It's pretty crazy the power that's been put into this thing over the last year and a half plus it's crazy because looking at where it was it was like oh great i scanned somebody now they're gonna be somewhere else and i have no idea where they're gonna be really so there's definitely some frustration there and people have been asking for this you know the tracking element to be a part of the scan for the longest time and it's really what took bloodhound to the next level so how to use the scan uh first and foremost if you're approaching a poi uh you know if you want to see the enemies are nearby maybe you've track them a little bit but you're not exactly sure where they are hit that scan see if one is separated from the group and seeing if one is separated from the group cannot be stated enough this is incredibly important note um it's really how henry and i play ranked right now is we use that scan if you can identify someone separated from the team you then turn a 3v3 into a three-on-one and subsequently 
a 3v3 into a 3-on-2 because hopefully your team's not losing 3v1s. It's an ability that, you know, nothing else lets you identify exactly where someone is in real time and see them move continuously while you and your entire team can move at them, which is a big difference, obviously, between Bloodhound and Crypto. Talking about the abilities is Crypto might help your teammates find the person. Crypto ain't going to be with you, though, during that time. So another way to use the scan, mid-fight. Mid-fight, scan as much as possible in order for your teammates to see the enemies. You know, any extra knowledge in a gunfight can make a huge difference, whether it be you yourself or a teammate pushing someone that's behind cover. And if they're scanned, you're going to know, okay, are they about to peek or are they like healing? Like you're going to see that animation and that gives you a a lot more confidence if you're going to jump challenge them on the corner versus maybe approaching with a little bit more caution if they look like, oh man, they could peek out at any second. And having the extra knowledge can be absolutely key. Something to keep in mind, though, with the scan, though, is that it very much gives your position away. You know, 76 meters, very wide range, and it's very apparent from a distance if you see a Bloodhound scan happen. So, after you scan, always stay moving. Even if you scan people, because they are going to know which direction you're coming from, and you just kind of gave your position away, so you do want to keep moving so you can't be predictable in that way. Do not scan if you're trying to hide from enemies. I saw some random do this recently on a, when I was watching the my after action report or whatever it is, and it broke my heart. They snuck away from everybody with the banners, and they're hiding under a building, and they activate their scan, and I'm like, no. No, because now everybody knows where they are. Totally. And important to note that this is kind of the hardest part to balance is Bloodhound. Sometimes it is best not to scan if you and your team are coming up behind somebody and you're being sneaky and, you know, they don't know you're there. So if you have some intel, you saw someone from a distance and you've eyeballed them the entire way, but you and your teammates are sneaking up behind them, you might not want to hit the scan immediately until someone's dealt out some damage. You know, anyone that's been scanned by themselves knows that when you get scanned, you immediately get a little startled and start to run. So if you are just chasing one person, you know, you can very much go from having the jump on them to them knowing they need to pick up the pace to try and really get away from the team. And it gives them a better chance than they should have had in getting away. Some other uses of the scan, you know, after we wipe a team, I like to use a scan, just throw it in some random direction to kind of like know that, okay, a third party's at least not coming from that direction. We can look the other ways. It really sucks getting third party than anything that can help you out a little bit to avoid that is very nice. And when you scan Mirage that's in their ultimate, you will see a triangle pop up on the real Mirage, which gives you an advantage in fighting them. Like Henry was saying with the counters and stuff, Respawn doesn't like counters, but they exist. And this is the best one for the Mirage Ultimate. I can't even tell you, I've played a lot of Mirage, and so it's very frustrating when I use my ult, get scanned, and then I know that their entire team knows exactly which one I am, and I felt like I just wasted my ultimate, unfortunately. An awesome, important note for ranked play, and why I've absolutely adored Bloodhound and ranked is that scanning an enemy gives you an assist if your teammates kill them. So you don't even have to deal damage, but that is great for racking up the RP. And if you solo queue, 
that's an even better way to help you make sure you're solidifying those ranked points. Most importantly though, with Bloodhound's tactical, you gotta communicate. As the Bloodhound player on your team, using that scan, you need to relay information mid-fight than potentially any other player on the team. Whether it be the number of hostiles you scanned or the location of a split-off enemy, you really need to share that information and be vocal about it. And, you know, Henry and I love Bloodhound because knowledge is power. And no other legend gets you much more information and knowledge mid-fight than Bloodhound does. Sometimes your teammates will not see that scan, and so relaying that information is incredibly important when it comes to Bloodhound's tactical. Absolutely true. You know, to just, I guess, explain how much we like this tactical even more. Mm-hmm. I try to play as much Bloodhound as possible, like we've said in either previous episodes. But when I get scanned, that forces me to move in a direction that I don't want to move mm-hmm. for four seconds. Like, because you know that you're scanned, you don't want to give away what you're doing. And so that means for four seconds, I'm there as a serious player, acting dumb, mm-hmm. either standing still or moving in a direction that I don't want to go Yep. because I got scanned. That's very powerful. That's like mind control. It disrupts combat and gives you more information than any ability in the combat, more than anybody else. It's absolutely crazy. One of our favorite tacticals. We don't rank the legends anymore, but if we did, this one would be a contestant for top in the list for sure. Let's talk about the ultimate beast of the hunt, bathing in the bluth. Everybody's favorite activity in Apex Legends has a 180 second cooldown. It lasts 35 seconds. It does remain active if you're downed, which is kind of something to note. You really don't notice it unless you activate the ability and get sniped and then immediately rest, but you will still be bathing in the bluth at that point. Downing an enemy adds 5 to 15 seconds depending on the remaining duration of the ability, aka, you know, 10 seconds and under, you down somebody, it's going to go up by 15. If you down someone at the beginning, it's going to go up by 5. This stacks makes the ultimate last a very long time. But most importantly, while in the ultimate, your scan activation time is reduced to 0.9 seconds and the cooldown is reduced to 8 seconds. So this means that if you're continuously scanning in a fight, there's only going to be four second gaps where the enemy is not scanned, which is kind of ridiculous in a game that is predicated on movement and outsmarting people. And the fact that enemies only can have four seconds, like Henry was saying, to maneuver in a different direction or hold still or something, your team's going to know so much because of blood. Absolutely amazing. Maybe most importantly, your speed increases by 30%. This is absolutely ridiculous because for Bloodhound, that means that they are moving faster than potentially everyone in a marathon fashion. You know, Bloodhound, Octane, and uh, Bangalore, those are your movement people technically. But Bloodhound is always going to be able to stay moving. No cooldown on activating the tactical or having the requirement to be shot absolutely amazing we've had so many moments where like okay we're attacking a team bloodhound activates the ultimate and they are sprinting past the rest of the team and putting some serious distance in front of them 
Additionally, your vision becomes black and white, except enemies are red, and then the enemy footprints are also red. Very nice for scouting and just target practice, man. It is great to shoot people highlighted in red. It really is. And I don't know, you explained it well, the speed thing, but it can't be understated mm-hmm. how fast you are. Like, it's because a lot of people, Octane's very fast, but you're six seconds of speed, and then you have that cooldown mm-hmm. of one second in between. And so you are stopping and starting every six seconds. But Bloodhound is going fast consecutively for 35 seconds minimum. Mm-hmm. There's a very uh, serious gap between the distance you can cover mm-hmm. in the same time. Definitely. And so with this ultimate, don't be afraid to use this ability. Cooldown's not that bad, you know, like Henry was saying. Four to five times a game in the average game. And the advantage it gives you fight to fight is crazy. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Before we do that, keep in mind, though, that activating the ability does take a little bit of time and is super loud. So it gives you away a little bit if you were trying to sneak up on somebody and you hear that huge activation sound. I may have potentially run into a moment of being shot mid-activation, and that was very frustrating. So sooner rather than later, you know, 35 seconds with the ability to extend it is a lot of time. And so it is better to activate it a little bit sooner rather than, you know, late after shooting somebody maybe for the first time. Also, important to note, we talked about a little bit earlier. It's kind of why we put Bloodhound and Bangalore together. But enemies being visible through smoke and gas make Bloodhound an absolutely devastating combo with Bangalore or Caustic and just absolutely amazing against a Caustic or a Bangalore. Caustic might have thrown his gas grenade on you and your team or have traps down. As Bloodhound in the ultimate, you're going to be able to see through that and not feel the slow effects because of the speed boost while you're in your ultimate. Another note, stay moving. You're the fastest legend in the game when in your ult, and you never have to stop like we've been saying, be shot at. You know, you can attack and pull back constantly in kind of like the cycle format we always talk about. Uh, when we play Bloodhound and Ranked, Bloodhound is always the first person in most of the time. Deals out as much damage as possible, backs up, the two other people come in, maybe you hit that bat in that time. You're still going to be in your ultimate, though, to then re-attack with full health. It's just crazy if pulled off correctly. It's, it's insane. And then strafing. Strafing is crazy as Bloodhound. You're faster than anybody else already. Like Henry has said, like I've said, not having the pause on your speed means you can go back and forth with your RE45 at a ridiculous speed and make you incredibly hard to hit. You're even going to be fast if you're strafing with a Spitfire. So if you main Bloodhound, practicing strafing in the firing range is definitely something I would recommend. And, you know, last kind of thing, don't be afraid to use this ability to track down that lone straggler. Uh, especially if you know they're weak, it's really good to get that team just out of the game and not have to worry about it. Especially in ranked, you know, Bloodhound's just an awesome character to rack up the extra kills and RP. Yeah, it's insane. As much as I want to just go on and on and on about this ability, it is so repetitive because it's simple yet complicated. 
activate the ability, do as much work as you can in the ability, and recognize you have an advantage over every character in the game during that time period. Uh, I can, I totally agree. And I can also add that everybody knows it too. Mm-hmm. Because your eyes are going bright red. Yep. It's the loudest thing in the game and you pose a serious threat. So everybody's looking at you. Mm-hmm. That is a way better distraction than a Gibraltar bombardment. Mm-hmm. Gibby bombardment forces somebody to use a bubble or go inside. Bloodhound actually makes everybody stop, stare, and listen. And so as much as Bloodhound's like great at doing a lot of damage and outperforming people as an individual, it's also an amazing support ultimate mm-hmm. because nobody's going to be looking at your two other teammates because you are a beacon of death. And you're talking about that as a support ultimate, not even including the fact that your entire team is going to know exactly where everybody is for this entire time period. Absolutely ridiculous. I love that you just added this. Average of a 20-minute game, 180-second cooldown, approximately 45-second duration, five uses per game, means that you're going to be bathed in the bluff approximately for three and a half minutes per game, 17% of the match. Absolutely ridiculous. Is there a more fun ability, though, than bathing in the bluff? There is not. It's, it's unmatched. It's very fun. You feel like a beast. You are a beast. It's really fun. It's a really cool ability. I mean, after this episode, people are probably going to be coming and talking to us about how it's OP and <laughs> it's going to get changed. Honest, it is. It's very, very strong, but it is countered by having that duration, mm-hmm. being loud, being that beacon. And so I'm not particularly concerned that this is going to go away. I think this is something that's very strong that takes some skill, mm-hmm. but... I think it's very good that we're focusing on it because everybody should understand how to use this to the fullest. And how powerful it is. Yeah, it is. And it's just been crazy. They've added like little buff after little buff to it with this whole like, okay, now you can scan 100% faster and more often. It's just crazy. And they balanced it a little bit because, yes, beforehand, you know, the eight seconds was new. Uh, it used to be t- uh, six, which meant you only two seconds of not being scanned. A little, little much, because in two, you can already not do a lot in four seconds, but in two seconds, it was just pointless. Like there was, n- you knew where everybody was the entire time. Yeah, but they didn't take the teeth out of this ability. No, because not at like all. I was saying when we were d- discussing the tactical, for four seconds, I'm doing the opposite of what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So even if you give me those four seconds back, you still robbed me of eight seconds. I yep. wanted to be the place that I was eight seconds ago. And then you just scanned me again. So it's very, very strong still. Definitely. Let's talk passives. Two passives. Very fun. Honestly, this would have been really short a while ago. And now, honestly, it could be a long talk. I don't know if we need to do it for this episode. Well, I'll let you maybe decide. I will give it, I'm going to give it a little basis. But first, let's start with Bloodhound's just initial ability. Uh, tracker, you know, you see actions performed by enemies. Uh, trackers show up and Bloodhound can see them. And it comes with clues about what they were doing and how long ago they occurred. Bloodhound can then ping their clues for the teammates, which is kind of cool. 
And if you're following those tracks, trying to track somebody down, you have ravens showing up around them to help you kind of show that you're on the right trail. Arthur's got your back a little bit. Good. I think it's an okay ability. You know, we don't use it all the time. You know, it can be helpful in chasing down teams occasionally. But really, if you're moving on a constant basis, you're going firefight to firefight. More often than not, you're going to hear gunshot sounds before you notice that people are in the area. Exactly. There's some people that swear by this ability. And I think the fact that audio is so important, we never really struggle to find Mm -hmm. teams. And we, we're just chasing gunfire. So I think it's a nice passive. It's sometimes useful, but it's not necessarily a top-tier passive that's mm-hmm. always helpful all the time. Definitely not top-tier, but it's not, it's not horrible it's not either. Nothing. It's not nothing. Now we got the recon passive that Bloodhound has been granted, a.k.a. Survey Beacons. If it needs to be said again, it better be for our new listeners, okay? That's all I got to say. Because the survey beacon is one of the best passes in the game if you're trying to win. Which, I guess, is a big if for some people. You get pristine positioning with the use of the survey beacon. Granting Bloodhound access to the survey beacon, I think, is really what sent them into the upper tiers of ranked and in professional play. Because now it's like, oh my goodness, I can get all this great stuff from the tactical and the ultimate. And I can be a team player that tells me exactly where I need to go and where to play and where the position. The survey begins amazing. Henry and I, we've spoken at absolute lengths on it. Do you need to throw in any more lecture notes on the survey beacon? I don't need to say anything. Everybody already knows. Good. I was hoping so. I wanted to come in with that kind of confidence. Third party nation knows what's up with survey beacons. Overall, Bloodhound, incredibly strong character. Now more than ever, if you haven't given them a shot, definitely try them out. I just love Bloodhound. I started playing Bloodhound again because uh, Henry's girlfriend plays Bangalore, and I am just the most inept smoke player you've ever seen. I don't know why. I'm pretty dang good at the game, enough that I think we have a podcast and stream and talk about it all the time. But I just can't do anything in smoke, so I just at one point I was like, okay, I'm playing Blood now. And then we got all the buffs with it. Very much timed well for me. Good timing. And Henry and I have been playing so much Bloodhound as of late. Absolutely amazing character. For sure. It's kind of cool that they've been receiving all these updates and buffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it seems pretty heavy-handed. Kind of like, I think for two, two and a half seasons now, they've Mm -hmm. just been kind of getting continuous. Big time work. Yeah. And that's nice for the Bloodhound mains. Pretty cool. Most definitely. Let's get into by the numbers. Hopefully you enjoyed us mastering the legends and we hope to do it again in the future. Like we said, though, we really like to be prepared for this episode. Yeah. I enjoyed that segment, though. I hope the listeners liked it. I always like it. So by the numbers, this is a segment where... Each time it comes around, we break down one specific weapon in the game and try to just do a data dump of information to allow you to fully understand how the weapon works and how it stacks up against its competition. And this time, we're talking about the Sentinel. It's back in the game. 
It's, you know, that wacky sniper that everybody's mm-hmm. always thinking of. And we decided to compare the Sentinel to the triple take uh, because the charge up on the choke on the triple take makes the rate of fire and the damage uh, pretty similar to mm-hmm. the Sentinel. So it's kind of the most uh, like sniper. But to dig right into it, the mag size of the Sentinel is four, five, six, and seven, depending on the magazine. Triple take edges that out, starting at six, going all the way to nine. So the Sentinel kind of takes a hit in terms of mag size. Dang. Then you go to body damage. Sentinel really performs quite well here Mm -hmm. at doing 70 to the body. Triple take is, you know, that three-shot spread, each shot doing 23 damage, but if you hit all three, that's 69 damage. So essentially, it's hard to say in some situations if you're saying, okay, you're taking the time to charge up the triple take and you're hitting that shot with the sentinel, they're both pretty much even at 70. But triple take does offer that kind of... uh, forgiveness to do some damage instead of no damage from the sentinel if you miss a shot Mm -hmm. but if you hit a leg shot these weapons actually deal the exact same damage they both hit 63 and 63 to the leg but now to dive into what makes the sentinel so special (laughs) if you input two cells into the sentinel You activate disruptor rounds. But if you have gold armor, (laughs) it's only one cell. Maybe my favorite buff in the game. I I don't know. Whoever is working at Respawn that had that idea and actually got approval to make it a reality, (laughs) given the really tight uh, resources they have, we got to have them on the show because it's a very interesting decision. Does it make any sense to you? Like... Okay, if I have armor on, and for some reason my armor has special properties that allow me to heal quicker, my armor now gives special properties to my sniper. Do I have to like, do I have a cord that's going from my armor to my shield cell to my sniper? Because that seems like it would take a long time to set up whenever I grab the armor. It's wacky. It's weird. I also, we've talked about on the show already, I really don't take gold armor that often yeah you know i want that red so i kind of want to even just stick it out with purple uh if i'm on the way to have red by end game mm-hmm. but if you do choose to spend two cells or one cell with gold armor the charging takes five seconds and lasts 120 seconds although each shot will shorten the timer by 15 seconds this is essentially an entire clip of six to eight shots, each dealing max shield damage to an enemy uh, with a high end of 125 damage Mm -hmm. if they have red armor. Very good. Very good. Because you can hit them in the leg or the finger, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take off all their armor, which is pretty nice because it does require the timing and precious cells but can shred an entire team's armor and just do hundreds of damage very quickly with extremely forgiving accuracy. 
pretty scary sound as well. Very scary sound. Um, even recently, uh, we've mistaken the sound of a charged up sentinel uh, for being a Kraber sound. Mm-hmm. And the Kraber is not nearly as scary sounding as this. It's I, like yeah. a supersonic mm-hmm. jet. It's very terrifying. But moving right along to the headshot. On the Sentinel, it's 140 damage for a headshot. But if you're charging up the triple take and you hit all three shots, it's 138 damage. So headshot is kind of all balanced across the board between these two. Reload speed on the Sentinel is 2.5 tactical and 3.6 full. And on the triple take, it's 2.6 seconds and 3.4 seconds full. So the Sentinel actually beats out the triple take here, which is kind of interesting. Yes, the triple take has two more bullets in each mag. (laughs) So it's kind of tough to say like, okay, well, does that fraction of a second really matter? But we'll give it to the Sentinel. Definitely. Throw him a bone. But then we come down the shots per second. And the Sentinel has 0.57 shots per second compared to the triple take that has 1.3. That number does not factor in charging up the triple take, but this is really the L of the Sentinel. Mm -hmm. And before we go into the verdict on the by the numbers here, very fun fact about the Sentinel, you can actually open doors by shooting the handle. So the small doors on the map, you can actually open by shooting them in the handle with the Sentinel. Not very many people know that. Pretty fun fact. But here's the verdict of by the numbers. I have tried to love this sniper, (laughs) and I very much enjoy the payoff of not having to charge a shot on the triple take in order to deal 70 damage uh, and way overperform the 55 to the chest from the longbow and the 23 from the triple take. But the truth is the fire rate is very bad. And most players are not willing to give up shield cells to get this huge benefit of the Sentinel due to the fire rate Mm -hmm. alone. It also has a duration. So the timing of spending the five seconds and two cells, you don't want to waste that. But when is the right time? It's very, it's hard to use. And because of that, it's not used. And so sadly, this sniper falls below other snipers because it acts a lot like a Kraber in fire rate, but has vastly less damage output. And I'm kind of sad about it because Mm -hmm. I like it. I like the weapon. But unfortunately, it's just outperformed by every other sniper. And the thing that makes it unique isn't good enough. It's neglected. It's just weird to have a bolt-action sniper rifle in the game and then have a better bolt-action sniper rifle in the game and have the not-as-good one be a substantial difference. Bolt-action is a serious negative on a gun in any sort of game. And like you said, the payoff just ain't there for it. Which is sad. And I have to do a Sentinel challenge right now, so I'm struggling. Don't we all? It's brutal. That is by the numbers, though. Let's dive into a legend concept. If you're not familiar with the segment, please submit us a legend concept. This is your idea 
of a legend you want thrown into the Apex games. You can send it to us via email on, or on Discord. Great way to reach us is on Discord in the Legend Concept channel, though, that we now have there. Everybody shares their thoughts as well. It's a really awesome spot. But make sure to include the lore. That is Henry and I's absolute favorite segment. And part of this is the lore, the self-created lore for the legend. Today, we have a submission from Full Counter on Discord. The legend is Oceanus. Oceanus was fascinated by ancient Greek mythology and just loved to read books and learn about all the Greek gods and their adventures. Thus, his character and abilities are somewhat based on the Greek god Poseidon. So, now a little bit more lore though. In 2717, Oceanus was forced to leave his home in the Outlands and fight for his people. In order for him to fight, he had to add a few upgrades to his self-arsenal before going in all guns blazing. This is when he acquired his unique skills that we will talk about later. After fighting in the war and somehow surviving, because we all know how brutal of a war that was if you played Titanfall 1 or 2, Oceanus was now a skilled fighter and felt like he could take on the world. He then volunteered for smaller missions to help out local communities and restore damage done from the war. That is where a very special man named Cuban Blisk spotted him out. Blisk thought immediately he would fit right into the Apex games. Fun lore. I need to learn more about Blisk in this Apex universe at least. It's such an interesting concept. Maybe somebody in the Discord or in the third party nation can explain to us who Blisk is. Because I don't know when we're gonna. Yeah, I hope we learn more about Blisk from these devs in the future. Let's talk about Oceanus's abilities. First, the passive, Deep Blue Sea. Whenever Oceanus obtains a gray Evo shield, it automatically upgrades to blue. Oceanus cannot wear a shield lower than that rarity. Fun Pretty ability. dang cool ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like this a lot. You know, obviously it has a, kind of a ripple effect of being really nice in the early game of giving you that 25 extra shields. Uh, but also armor swap ability. Ask me if I think this is overpowered, and I say not really. Mm-hmm. You know, I can play Lifeline right now, go to a Capacitor, drop three care packages, and get three purple armors for free. So I think this is fine and a pretty cool passive. Yeah, this would be used, I think, early game super well when you pick up the armor, make it blue, drop it, pick up your teammates. Drop it, pick up your last teammates, everybody's got blue, which is kind of a nice way to start the game. Huge difference between rotating with three grays and rotating with three blues. Definitely. Let's talk about the tactical tidal wave. Oceanus sends out a long wave of water about the length and width of a full spread out thermal grenade that will push back enemies and do 20 damage to them when first activated. Tidal Wave will stay put for 15 seconds. During that time, it will do no additional damage to any player, but block vision and slow enemies down while inside it. My first thought reading this one was, that would look so cool in the games. Like, I love water animations in general, and so seeing this, like, on land and stuff would be so dang awesome. It would be really, really cool. You know, I think the the damage is definitely well thought out. Um Designing Legends for this game is so hard Mm -hmm. because essentially it has to be good enough to be used in the open wide world of Apex, 
but then not just an insta-kill mm-hmm. and a final pinwheel shrink. And this seems like you'd pretty much own that final ring, no problem. Being mm-hmm. able to push people into the ring uh, is a really, really good ability. So I think it's a cool tactical. Uh, it might be too good. It might need some balancing. Moving enemies would be really interesting. It's a great concept. We might end up with ability though that moves enemies vertical in a fashion with the gravity lifts if used uh, correctly so it's going to be interesting if we ever move in that direction for sure last we have the ultimate almighty trident when activating almighty trident oceanus wields a trident which deals 50 melee damage at a range of three meters max each hit takes half a second each swing also During his ultimate, Oceanus gains 40 health on top of whatever he had. So if he had 40 white health, he would gain until he had 90 white. Same with shields. This is interesting because we just had a melee legend with Rango recently on the show. And with Rango, the counter to having a melee ability, because we've always thought a melee ability in Apex is going to be real difficult. The devs have come out and said a melee base legend is going to be real difficult. The counter for Rango was an increased speed boost. The counter for Oceanus is a health boost, which is kind of an interesting way to counter the whole melee thing. Yeah, it's it's very creative. Um, I really like it. You know, it, it'd be really cool to see a melee-centered ability. And 50 melee damage isn't everything. You know, mm-hmm. like that's four or five hits, depending on uh, what kind of armor somebody has in the end game. And so I don't think it's too overpowered. I will say that. So, how do you understand the health? Is it if um, I have 225 total health with red, am I getting an extra 40? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And here in the concept, it says they got 40 white or 90 white. They can never have white. It's only blue. Yes. That's cool. I like it. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Kind of a tank in a way. Pretty much. That is, like, I wonder, are you limited to just using the melee? Mm-hmm. And what is the animation or? And the like, duration. Yeah. Because that could be really dang good. Even if you just activate an ability, gain the extra health. I like the health. Go in with your guns if that is an option. I like it, and if you could, you know, suit up, pull out the trident, but then also be wielding a weapon in order to close the gap, and then you're able to kind of finish them with the trident. That could be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Thank you for the legend concept. Uh, Let's wrap it up, though, with some questions. First question is coming from Clutchabob. Hi, you inspired me to make an Apex Legends channel, Apex Theory. Could you guys talk about the esports side of Apex? I think we would like to talk about that. The esports scene of Apex is very, very interesting, unlike any other game, really. Fascinating. So I think there's definitely room to speak about that um, on maybe a podcast or on a stream or mm-hmm. something. So stick around, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be it. speaking to it. Definitely. And last question today, coming from Buddy Boy. Killer podcast. Keep up the great work. Amazing intro music. I love hearing every week how you guys have more cool content that you want to do in future shows. Quick question. What do you think would be a cool, unique buff for Bang? 
We all know she needs one badly. Ha ha. Well, buddy. Maybe not badly. I hear you. And we addressed it (laughs) in this episode. You know, she hasn't gotten a chance for a while. Mm -hmm. And people feel that she's stale. You're totally right and totally valid in that. It's a good question and something that pretty much everybody's asking and trying to come up with ideas. Like people want to give her faster reload time because she's, you know, this military Mm -hmm. uh, soldier. Quicker swaps. But, and as cool as those are, I don't want to sacrifice anything in her kit. I don't want anything to go. If they were going to add something ever, the thing I would want added would be the, or the idea I like that's been floating around is the thrown on the ult and then the missiles are then like mines essentially and activate if somebody is in them. So if you throw it on someone and they're in there, they're going to immediately go off or they'll stay there for maybe a bit longer period of time. But then it becomes already a good zoning ability to probably the best zoning ability in the game, which might elevate her into the top pick area that I think we would love her to be in. Yeah, but she's pretty cool. She's I think really there's good. a lot of cool, unique ideas out there, but I'm not stressed mm-hmm. as much as maybe other people are. That was a long one, though, guys. Thank you for sticking around with us. Uh, subscribe on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on the next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel, Third Party Podcast. Stop by our weekly stream. Join the Discord. Check out the link in the description. It's an awesome time over there. Some really big changes and some cool stuff's going on. It's all Halloween-themed right now, so have a good time. Trick or treat. Thank you for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>